Today on The Faction, we're talking SmackDown's new home, all that's happening in AEW, and a weekend full of releases. All of that and more today on The Faction. What's going on, family? Happy Monday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction. I hope you guys are doing well. I miss you guys. We are getting back into a normal swing of things. We should be back there hopefully by next week. But I appreciate your patience, your kindness, and all of the things that you're doing to continue to support what we're doing. We are not gone. <laughs> I know some of you are worried about that. We're not just in a bit of transition again as I'm moving and getting settled. But yeah, we're rocking and there's plenty to talk about. So shout out to all of you who are part of the Faction Nation who continue to support what we're doing, whether that is following us on the socials, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at The Faction Show or following us by way of subscription, by subscribing to our podcast on all of the places you can find us. And if you're not already doing so, feel free to follow me on TikTok as well, because there's a lot of great wrestling content that makes its way there, that also finds its way, of course, to our Instagram and Facebook pages. So there's plenty to talk about, and some of you have probably been waiting for our take on several of the events that have been going on. We're going to dig into as many of them as possible. Last week was a very, very big week, particularly last Thursday, a massive news day in pro wrestling. And so we're going to dig into as many of these things as we possibly can. Let's start with kind of the first bit of news that dropped from WWE regarding the future of Friday Night SmackDown. Now, before I get into that, I want to remind you that one of the main reasons for WWE's sale to Endeavor to help create TKO is for moments like what happened on Thursday relative to Friday Night SmackDown. If you'll remember, and we've talked about this here throughout the life of this podcast, the entire media rights situation that faces the WWE. Back in 2019, WWE garnered $1 billion for a five-year run on Fox. Then they garnered another billion in change for the run for Raw and NXT on USA. Then they garnered another billion dollars for their deal with Peacock, right? So all of these deals, big, big deals that happened for WWE. Well, obviously you look at your calendar, it's 2023. That deal with Fox and with USA is for five years. So right before the sale of WWE to Endeavor was finalized, the media rights conversation has come back up into the equation. And Fox didn't necessarily bite at the opportunity, so everything kind of became fair game. So we found out on Thursday that Friday Night SmackDown is headed back 
to USA. Now, in case you forgot, SmackDown, probably of all of the WWE shows, is the one that has traveled throughout the cable spots in a number of places. Let's see if we can remember all of the places where SmackDown has been. It's been on UPN. It's been on the CW, or so I believe. It's been on Sci-Fi. It's been on USA, and now Fox, and now it's returning back to USA. So that's where all things SmackDown will be beginning in 2024. It's a five-year deal that garners the WWE $1.4 billion. So remember, the deal with Fox garnered them $1 billion over five years. This deal is almost half a billion dollars more $400 million more over five years than the deal with Fox. Now, this is significant for a few reasons. Fox obviously being network television, a very big deal. So a cable network has decided to pay more for SmackDown than Fox did. Now, here's why this is significant for a few reasons. Number one, I like this move. USA and NBC have had a long-time relationship with the WWE dating all the way back to the 80s and the creation of Saturday night's main event. Remember that because we're coming back to that particular point in a second. This long-standing relationship with WWE has seen Monday Night Raw on the USA Network for the bulk of its tenure since 1993. There was a small moment where Raw made its way to Spike TV slash TNN before coming back to USA. So I like this. USA has been in a relationship with WWE for an extremely long time, predating Monday Night Raw, going back to the 80s when WWE decided to hop on cable. And so that long-standing relationship means its audience is conditioned. The people connected to USA are conditioned for pro wrestling. What was really different, if you watched Fox Sports during this SmackDown era on Fox, you'll remember how difficult it was to watch and hear the NFL or the NHL try to promote SmackDown, even Major League Baseball. They all had a hard time, though they knew they had to do it for the sake of their jobs, but it certainly didn't feel authentic. To me, that was good news for WWE, seeing that SmackDown will be returning to the USA Network. Now, one of the other pieces of news about this that is of great importance is that this will also garner an opportunity for the WWE to have several primetime specials. Now, in addition to this news of SmackDown heading back to USA, which begins in October of 2024, in this 2024-25 season, WWE will produce four primetime specials per year that will air on NBC. Now, this will mark the first time that WWE will air on NBC in prime time. Now, if you'll remember, as I mentioned, Saturday night's main event, that would often air on Saturday night during the Saturday night live slot, which would happen at 11.30 p.m. Eastern. Very, very important demographic, but now to see the WWE again on NBC in prime time is special. Now, this only happened one other time. It was February of 1988. The massive rematch between Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, which led us into WrestleMania 4. That happened on prime time and was a huge audience for NBC. The idea that there will be four primetime specials per year is going to be very, very special on NBC. 
This mirrors kind of what we've seen in AEW with their battle for the belt show. However, of course, that happens on TBS or TNT. This situation will happen on NBC, keeping, of course, their network presence, which I think is going to be absolutely massive. Congratulations to the WWE in that regard, because that is very big news. Now, they also dropped another piece of news on that day, and that is another international PLE, and that is the Elimination Chamber is headed to Perth, Australia on Saturday, February the 24th, 2024, at Optus Stadium. This will be the first WWE event in Australia since 2018 and the only PLE in the Asia Pacific region in 2024. So this is going to be a very big deal. Now, this particular stadium has housed some amazing tours, including tours from Taylor Swift, Eminem, U2, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers, along with Coldplay. So this is going to be a major move for Australia. And given what the PLEs have done, particularly the international ones, you can expect this to be extremely big. Now, it's not the first time, of course, that the Elimination Chamber has left the United States. It happened, of course, in Saudi Arabia as well. And of course, in Montreal earlier this year. So again, another big piece of news for WWE. Now, they dropped those two big pieces of news because they knew what was coming next. And what was coming next were the releases from WWE. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share those releases with you. We'll take a break. After that break, we'll come back. We'll talk about the impact of those as well as some AEW news. Now then, let's get to these releases. You've probably heard of a number of them, but I'm going to share them all with you because they were happening fast and furious on Thursday. Here's a list of releases total that have happened with WWE over the last few days. Dolph Ziggler, Elias, Mustafa Ali, Shelton Benjamin, Top Dalla, Riddick Moss, Emma, Aaliyah, Rick Boogs, Quincy Elliott, Bryson Montana, Dana Brooke, Mansoor, Massey, Shanky, Dabakato, aka Commander Aziz and Babatunde, Ulisa Leone, Daniel MacArthur, Kevin Ventura Cortez, Alexis Gray, Brooklyn Barlow, Ikiman Jiro, Abule Abadi Fitzgerald, and Matt Riddle. Those are all of the releases from WWE in terms of talent. When we come back, we're going to talk about the impact of these releases, what this could actually mean, and is WWE as cruel and heartless as many have been saying. I got a lot left in the tank. What's up, guys? This is Mark here, the world's strongest man, and you're tuned in to the faction. Are you ready? Yes! Hey guys, before we hop back into the podcast, I want to let you know that you have the opportunity to wear the merch of hopefully your favorite commentator. That's right. I have merch available representing us here at The Faction and representing my journey. Lego. You've likely heard about my journey into pro wrestling. And if you haven't, I can sum it up in a couple of words. Uh-oh. It took me five seconds of courage to bet 
on me. Yeah. So we've got great merch out there allowing you to tell the world about five seconds of courage and betting on you. Uh-huh. you can check out that merch right now at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Bonnerfied. Again, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Bonnerfied. Check out this new merch representing yours truly in the world of pro wrestling. Bet on you. Five seconds of courage. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Bonnerfied. I know you're going to dig this. Attention wrestling fans, come celebrate our 5th anniversary Friday, October 6th as Southern Honor Wrestling presents Still Here 5. The Southern Honor Championship will be on the line as Judas defends his title against the 2023 Rumble Jack winner, David Ali. Hierarchy puts their SHW tag team titles up for grabs in a triple threat tag team match. The Jake the Snake Legacy Championship will be defended as Chip Day takes on five other competitors in a six-man challenge. Also on the line, Kenzie Page defends her NWA World Women's Championship against Danny Jordan and the Atrocity Cruel defends his IWTV Independent Wrestling World Championship against Cyrus the Destroyer. Plus, be sure to arrive early for a special meet and greet with three-time WCW World Heavyweight Champion and WWE Hall of Famer Diamond Dallas Page. Tickets start at just $15 and go on sale at the Action Building the night of the show beginning at 5 p.m. Doors open at 7, bell time at 8. As always, kids sit in under are free. Come witness firsthand why we are SHW and this is our wrestling. This is the Stroke Daddy Ricky Starks, and you know I only do it one way, and that's big. You're not listening to The Faction. All right, so let's dig into these releases from WWE and some of the reasoning behind some of these releases, or at least the news dropping when it did. So if you'll remember on Thursday, the two news items that I mentioned on the first half of our show today, that being the media rights news and the news regarding Elimination Chamber, it was shared on the same day intentionally by WWE as these releases. And according to WWE, the idea behind it was to somewhat soften the media slash PR blow. I don't know if that happened or if it caused WWE to look a wee bit insensitive. What I will say is this. I want to remind everybody, first of all, that there's never a good time for releases. Like there's never a moment where we want people to lose their jobs. It's just not a moment, right? Like it's not a move. It's not something that the economy says, hey, it's a great time to lose your job. So we don't want that. We also want to remember that in times past, particularly over these last few years, WWE, in an attempt to, you know, cut costs and the like, would have a series of releases throughout the year. Usually there were releases right after Mania, and then there'd be at least one second batch throughout the year. If you'll notice, really ever since all of the controversy surrounding Vince McMahon in the summer of last year, we've not had mass releases from WWE in a solid calendar year. We didn't have them toward the tail end of 2022. We did not have them at all in 2023 until now. So we didn't do it during WrestleMania and the like. Let's also consider this. 20 releases for on-air talent as compared to times past where we've seen 30 at one time. We've seen at one point there was like something to the effect of 50 to 60 in a given year. So all things considered and in context, this is not as bad as it has been in the past. Let me also say this. 
it was one thing for people to be released during the pandemic, which was obviously very difficult and people were trying to find and figure their way. Being released right now, as many have proven, may not be the worst thing in the world. Now, don't mistake me. I'm not advocating for people to lose their jobs. But what I am saying is that the wrestling industry in 2023 is healthier than it's ever been, meaning that there are opportunities for all of these incredible wrestlers. If they decide to continue pursuing pro wrestling, there are opportunities for them to really find their way. There are places for all of them to go if they would like to be there. Here's another thing that I think is important to remember, and that is the non-compete, okay? We've seen a couple of different things relative to contracts. So if you'll remember, last week when we were talking about Jade Cargill making her way into WWE, to some degree we were surprised by how quick this has been. And in case you haven't heard, Jade Cargill has been already spotted at the PC. It looks like she is imminently joining the WWE if she hasn't done so already. But the reason for her to do that is because her contract had completely run out and there had been no renewal made. Much like what happened with John Moxley when his contract ran out in WWE, he found his way in AEW less than a month later, right? So when you run out the full extent of your contract, there is no non-compete. If you choose to quit or if you are released before your contract is up, there is a non-compete. For those who have NXT contracts, they are 30 days. For those who have WWE contracts, they are 90 days. Now, I want us to also be clear. If there are wrestlers who were on the main roster that have moved to NXT, like a Mustafa Ali or a Dana Brooke, in their cases, they were likely still working under those WWE contracts, which means that their non-competes are running 90 days, as opposed to several of those who were released from NXT, their non-competes are 30 days. I want to also mention that these are not things that are added at the end of their contract, but this is part of the contract that wrestlers sign when they sign on with the WWE. So this is not a surprise to people that there are non-competes. It's not necessarily WWE being cruel because people were aware of this when they signed the contract. I like educating our family on this because for me, I feel like it's my responsibility that we really are informed pro wrestling fans and not the quote unquote smart marks, right? We wanna be informed and understand how these kinds of things work. So with that said, definitely some losses that are significant in WWE. I think they all are, you know, seeing, of course, Dolph Ziggler, who has spent nearly 20 years in WWE. That's certainly a big deal. Shelton Benjamin, who spent 20 years in WWE. That is also a big deal for sure. And I'm not minimizing any of these. You know, some of these like Dana Brooke and Mustafa Ali had major roles on NXT in terms of television. So it'll be interesting to see how those things are handled on this week's episode of NXT leading into NXT No Mercy. Just unfortunate that anyone has lost their jobs. Of course, Top Dollar, part of Hit Row. And Hit Row really had not been hitting the way it used to. So we'll see how all of this shakes out. Again, my thoughts and prayers are with everyone, and I'm wishing and hoping that they all land a great, great spot really, really soon in a place of their choice. I think for a lot of them, there are options. There are also those that may not 
choose to continue in the world of pro wrestling, which is okay as well. Now, one of the other big releases, of course, being Matt Riddle. That came on Friday right before SmackDown. Shocked a lot of people. And I will say I'm somewhat surprised by it, though he's had a lot of trouble going on outside of the ring that may have made him more of a liability than an asset for WWE. So with that said, there were 12 wrestlers from the indie circuit who had tryouts this past week. And when I saw that news, I thought to myself, well, this is going to be interesting. Like, certainly, I imagine WWE has plenty of money where they could sign whoever they want. But would it be getting crowded in terms of fighting for TV space? Here are those who had the opportunity to try out for WWE this week. That included Copeland Barbie, Brogan Finley, who was the son of Fit Finley and the brother of David Finley, Jasmine Allure, David Goldschmidt, Jamie Stanley, Hollywood Haley J, who you are currently seeing on the Wrestlers documentary on Netflix. She's from OVW. Jay Malachi, who have had the privilege of calling matches for at Battle Slam. He's also been on AEW Dark. Ray Jazz, Kelsey Heather, Richard Holiday, Valentino Rossi, and Maddie Renkowski, who is a former NWA Women's Tag Team Champion. So this is going to be an interesting list. We'll see who gets the call from these 12 in terms of who will be a part of WWE if any of them made the tryout. And so to that end, again, trying to help people understand what we're looking like with these releases, one of the real challenges I believe that WWE is going to have moving forward as part of this new TKO situation is they have to continue presenting the best elements possible and it's likely not going to be advisable to have great talent that is literally sitting in catering so they want to have the absolute best of the best showing up on tv every week making the most of the money that's being paid to them i think it's also interesting that they have gone back to looking to the indies to be able to create opportunities which is i think a good thing for everybody involved so interesting times in wwe and so i want to get your thoughts on the releases and some of the thought processes behind the releases tell me if any of our explanations today have helped now then let's take a look at aew a few things going on over there this past week they had aew grand slam grand slam dynamite grand slam rampage four hours in total of television from the arthur ash stadium in new york city some of the big moments coming from there Eddie Kingston becomes a double champion, winning the Ring of Honor World Championship from Claudio Castagnoli. In that, he also retains the New Japan Strong Openweight Championship. Congratulations to Eddie Kingston. That's absolutely incredible. We also saw the AEW International Championship change hands as Ray Phoenix defeated John Moxley. Moxley suffered a mild concussion during the match, and it's believed that he called the audible to have Phoenix win when he was suffering from the concussion and could not recover. So our thoughts and prayers are certainly with John Moxley. Collision was fantastic for AEW, an incredible Texas death match between Ricky Starks and Brian Danielson. Just amazing, amazing work. Also, I can't say enough about Jay White. Jay White and Andrade El Idolo, a dream match that was incredible. Bullet Club Gold is just that, absolute gold in that ring. 
Now that leads to a very interesting moment. That is AEW presenting another pay-per-view. It's called Wrestle Dream. It happens this coming Sunday, October the 1st. Now, in case you're wondering, yeah, we've been getting a lot of pay-per-views from AEW recently. Let's go back, of course, to May. Back in May, you had Double or Nothing. In June, we had Forbidden Door. Then we moved to August where we had All In. The next week, which is the top of September, we had All Out. And now we have Wrestle Dream. And in November, we'll have Full Gear. If you haven't figured it out, we are moving to a monthly pay-per-view situation for AEW. My concern is as of right now, all of these pay-per-views are running $50 a pop on Bleacher Report. Now, for those who may say, hey, you know what, Gerard, are you being cheap? Are you, you know, whatever? Well, let's just say this. I'm looking at the wrestling economy right now and the wrestling economy where in WWE you pay $4.99 or at max $9.99 for Peacock and you get all of the WWE library, every premium live event from Raw, SmackDown, NXT, you get all of those things. In the world of Impact, you pay $7.99 for Impact Plus, where you get several of their ancillary pay-per-views. The main pay-per-views you still have to pay, but I think it's like $30 or $40, but that may happen a couple of times a year. AEW, as of right now, is the most expensive offering in pro wrestling let's just call it a buck it is okay fifty dollars a pay-per-view those are the prices again that we paid a decade ago before the wwe network ever existed so moving back to that model for quarterly pay-per-views i think people can handle i'm not sure how people are going to handle a monthly investment of $50 in a pay-per-view from AEW. $50 can be a whole year basically on Peacock or somewhere close to that. So I want to find out from you, will you be checking out Wrestle Dream? Now the card looks incredible, but will you be checking out Wrestle Dream? And did you get all out, all in, and Wrestle Dream, which would be $150 for wrestling pay per views in five weeks' time. I'd like to know your thoughts on that. Let us know on the socials at The Faction Show. Should be an incredible week of wrestling action as we're leading up to the NXT PLE No Mercy, leading up to AEW's Wrestle Dream, and all kinds of fallout going on for WWE. And I think we're going to take some time this week to really spend talking about Impact 1000, the two-week extravaganza celebrating 1,000 episodes of Impact Wrestling. I think it deserves its own segment, and we'll bring that to you here. All right, guys, we're going to get out of here. Have an absolutely amazing day. Until next time, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, the EP, John Murray. I am Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. I lead my 